Hello and welcome to the Low Tux Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show number 14 and I have invited a gorgeous friend, Kelly Exeter, to chat with me today about avoiding overwhelm in this pointier end of the year. I thought this was the perfect time, end of October, two big chunky months ahead where we try and see everybody we know, whether where we overdrink, we overeat, we overspend, we overstress and we absolutely just don't need to. Every day is a choice and the energy that we bring to every day and that might be a hard thing to hear. It certainly has been for me in the past, but I've done a lot of work and the last couple of Christmases have just not been stressful, like zero stress, all excitement, lots of fun to be had and plenty of rest, believe it or not. So if that makes you a little bit curious as to some of the ways we can mitigate stress and overwhelm in the silly festive season, regardless of what religion you practice or whether you don't practice one at all, the end of the year does bring with it not just religious festivities, but a whole bunch of catch-ups and work parties and and so, so much more that can sometimes make us feel a little bit overbooked and overwhelmed. Now, The reason I find Kelly to be a completely apt guest for this topic, let me just list some of the stuff she does. She is an author, two incredible books, Your Best Year Ever and Practical Perfection. She's a business owner of a wonderful design business, Swish Design. She is a blogger. A Life Less Frantic is her blog and it's wonderful, wonderful stuff. She's a podcaster, not just one podcast, but two on my Jackrabbit FM fellow network, along with the beautiful uh, Slow Home from uh, Brooke McCallery, who actually owns Jackrabbit FM, uh, the network. So it's really lovely to be in this little podcasting family with these guys because they're all such gorgeous people. And her two podcasts are The Straight and Curly with Carly Jacobs and Let it be with Brooke McGallery. So both absolutely worth listening to on your morning walk. And she's also the editor of Flying Solo, which is an online business hub for soloists. So if a woman who has that much going on can purport to not be quite so stressed out and overwhelmed as so many of us are, I think that's worth bringing on the show, don't you? And low-tox living is really not only about what we're eating and what skincare or cleaning products we're using, but it's so much about our mental state and checking in with our mental state, our, the, the health of our minds, uh, making sure we're making space to feel relaxed, to feel settled in our thoughts and feelings is just so important to the overall living of a low-tox life. So I hope you enjoy today's show. And if at the end you think, gosh, that was so good and I'd really love to see those two in an event and you happen to live in Perth in Australia... Well, my friends, you can come join us. We are holding a beautiful afternoon this weekend, in fact, on Saturday, uh, called A Simpler Way. And it'll be Brooke, myself and Kelly talking about some of the ways that we have rejected overwhelm around food, around establishing a beautiful, relaxing home environment and around living our best life. And uh, and it's going to be a really, really special afternoon. So if anyone out there is listening from Perth, please check out those show notes, lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast, and you've got a link to the event right now, so, uh, right there. So right now, rather, I would love to just uh, send us straight into the show. I hope you enjoy today's chat. 
Hello, Kelly. How are you? Hey, Alex. I'm very excited to be chatting with you. I know. And it was <laughs> it was really interesting, actually. Obviously, uh, the low-tox life is all about, you know, people instantly think more of my flagship e-course, Go Low-Tox, because they think, oh, that's all about ditching chemicals and everything. But a huge part of it for me is also what's going on in our minds. And as I thought of the end of the year... I thought I really want to bring someone on the show who is really great at helping people deal with that sense of perfectionism and overwhelm that we all have tendencies towards. I don't know anyone who doesn't have a tendency towards either of those things towards the end of the year. So, and then I thought of you straight away because obviously practical perfection deals with that subject head on. And one of my favorite things about this book is where you say that the opposite of overwhelm is priorities. Now, that really intrigued me and it kind of got me thinking. So can we maybe start with you explaining what that means and how you came to that? Yeah, for sure. So I guess like I, for a large, large part of my life, is the queen of overwhelm. And I think the rate, you know, the number one reason we get overwhelmed is we are overcommitted and we are overscheduled. And the people who tend to be overcommitted and overscheduled are either people pleasers or those people who kind of just can't knock back an opportunity. I'm a little bit of a people pleaser, but I'm mainly someone that can't knock back an opportunity. And so if somebody puts something in front of me that looks like a great idea. I'm also a never die wandering person. So I just want to go, yeah, let's do it. And I kind of don't think about the consequences until I'm right in the middle of overwhelm. And um, I guess I have spent such a large part of my life pushing all the way into overwhelm, getting overwhelmed, drowning in it and having to do something about it that I, I'm a bit of an expert on how to get out of it now. Mm-hmm. And the way to get out of it is by reprioritizing. So it's by going, right list out everything you've got going on right now. Okay, rank those things in order from most important to least important. Okay, see those five to 10 things at the bottom of that list? Because you know me, I would have a list that's got about 30,000 things on it. Um, (laughs) I was just about to say, because you are like the editor of Flying Solo, you have your own design business, Swish Design. You are a blogger. You've written two books. You're a contributor on major websites around blogging and writing copy, like Copy Blogger. You know... Yes, you do definitely sound like someone who (laughs) loves to back an opportunity and I'm more the people pleaser. Like as soon as you said that, I thought, oh, yes, that's definitely me. And then it's interesting, isn't it? Because you say yes to all this stuff and then you start to resent the things that you said yes to that are all really good things, each of them. However, we really don't want to get to that point. So, Well, that's the difficulty, isn't it, is that – it's so hard, like, you know, it, it sounds so obvious when you say it, oh, it's just prioritizing, you just have to prioritize better. But it's really difficult to prioritize when everything is awesome. Like, you know, <laughs> especially like I can only imagine for you, Alex, like, you know, you would just have the coolest things coming across your desk. I do. And I want to do them all. Yeah. <laughs> and this is it. And having to try and go, and do you know what? The thing is, like, people who who make things happen and who can kind of fit a lot into life, like, we can fit anything in. 
that we want to, but something's suffering. And I like, I, I can't talk for anybody else, but I know for a fact that my penchant for doing everything that is comes my way because it, it, everything that excites me, which is a lot, usually the people that suffer when I do that are my immediate family, so my husband and my kids. Mm-hmm. And so, and so this was the thing. So I just kept pushing into overwhelm and I would get stressed and anxious because I had so much on and I was juggling so many things and every day was scheduled down to the minute. And I think that is the key right there is I, and I'm sure a lot of people will relate to that is that when every day is scheduled down to the minute and there's no buffer in there, there's no what, what I call white space. There's no, you know, so like, you know, I kind of always use this example, but you know, that thing where you go to put your child in the car to go to daycare and they've got a poo in their nappy and you're like, <laughs> I don't have three minutes it's going to take me to change, you know, and like, you know, she's got poo in her nappy and that derails your entire day. Like you're playing catch up from there. Like when you get to that point and I have been there, when you get to that point, you know, you know that you have to do some really hardcore reprioritization. And so this is a really difficult thing. So over the years, I have now learned to look at opportunities and take a really deep breath and go, do you know what? That's such a fantastic opportunity and it sounds so exciting to me, but it's just not for me right now. I, I've i just learned to be a lot more realistic about it. And so this is, yeah, Certainly when, you know, so in Practical Perfection, I talk about people who have us, we have these perfectionist tendencies. And interestingly, it's it's interesting that most of us who have these perfectionist tendencies don't consider ourselves to be perfectionists because mm-hmm. we're not perfect. We're not perfect at everything. So it's such a perfectionist thing to think I'm not a perfectionist because I'm actually not perfect at everything or don't try to be perfect at everything. Therefore, I don't fit in that category. Just as an aside. <laughs> That's so funny. I can't even be perfect at being a perfectionist. <laughs> but the fact is, yeah, if you've got that mentality where you are really, you're, you're a striver or you hold yourself to very high standards and you kind of get a bit down on yourself and you don't meet those standards, you're the person who's kind of really in danger of overwhelm and burnout and kind of being that perennial hamster on the wheel where you're like running, 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 and you're so busy doing so much stuff, but you don't really feel like you're getting anywhere. Mm. And I definitely suffer from this. I go through cycles of it. And it's interesting you say this because my husband, I'm getting quite personal on today's show, but my (laughs) husband is absolutely not that person. And he has almost an allergic reaction to a full weekend planned out before the weekend arrives (laughs) or he you know he will say I'll do my best but I can't promise on that one and that will infuriate me (laughs) even though he is absolutely right to say so because he's assessed his day he's looked at probably what you term white space but hasn't actually you know read the book or gotten to that consciousness level himself he just knows instinctively that he wants lots of space everywhere um so and not necessarily even so that there's time to chill but just because he he is very conscious of overcommitment and he he's very good at just drawing that line whereas I will 
literally jog around my two-bedroom apartment to get more things done on the way out to XYZ because I want to save 20 seconds because of how much I've put into my day. And when you said that thing about the nappy, I absolutely have been guilty of having the thought run through my mind because my little guy when he was younger seemed to time needing to do (laughs) a poo on the toilet for every time it was absolutely the right time to leave the house every time (laughs) this doesn't work for me (laughs) so funny so um so is there a is there a cure for us there's no cure there's only management Mm -hmm. I'll be honest. And I think what I've gotten better at over the years at doing is like, so before I would horribly, horribly overcommit, 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 push on for several, several months, hating everybody who asked me to do anything for them rather than hating myself for saying yes to them because, you know, take a little bit of personal responsibility, Kelly. Mm -hmm. And then I would get to a point of complete burnout and then I would do something for it. And you can, you know, speaking of husbands, you can only imagine my husband just watching this cycle play out <laughs> over and over again and just wondering when I'm going to learn. I did learn eventually. And so what it was is I learned to recognize the signs a lot earlier. And the other thing is I learned to I learned to pull back from stuff even when I had committed to it. So it was a, there was a time when I would commit to something and if I had committed to it, that was then it was just too bad, Kelly. You follow through on that because you have committed to it. And what I do now, you know, apart from not committing to things, so, you know, really gritting my teeth and saying, no, this is brilliant, but it's not the right time right now and I'm going to have to say no, but also giving myself permission that if I do commit to something and it's really, really stretching me, being able to go to that person and go, you know, look, I know I said I would do this thing, but I'm finding that right now I'm just, I just don't have the capacity for it that I had when I very first committed to it. And that's something I would never, ever have done in the past because I've just gone, no, you've committed to it. You can't let that person down. And now I know that it's actually okay to do that. People would, would rather that you are are upfront with them and say, look, I'm sorry, I know I said I'd do this, but I actually really can't, than you do it and do it poorly because you're just so stretched Mm. or do it resentfully because you're so stretched. And like I said, it's a difficult thing to do, but it's like a muscle that you exercise. So, you know, you don't make a habit of it because then you also start learning to recognize, like, you know, it's all well and good, you know, especially those things that are like four and five months in advance. Yes. So you go, oh, yeah, I can totally do that. That's four and five months away. No worries. Um, and then the next thing you know, it's on you and there's, you know, you've got three speaking engagements in two weeks, Alex. Mm, um, no. <laughs> and you know and you're launching your course and you've got and it's and it it just all gets that bit manny my cheeks just went flushed as you started to say that (laughs) but you'll be you'll be very proud of me because today I actually put on my um I, I created an autoresponder for my email Because I'm getting better. It's like you say, it is a muscle. And for those of you out there who do think to yourselves, 
when you've overcommitted that you wish you hadn't overcommitted and gee, you wish you could learn to actually manage how much time you have for everything and how to prioritize things so that you end up doing things to the best of your ability. It's definitely a muscle. I totally agree. And so today I looked at my work for the next two months and there's some big stuff on. I've got a TED talk. I've got three other speaking engagements. I've got an e-course. I've got a huge two pieces of consulting and that's it. That's enough. That's definitely enough. And so on my autoresponder, it says, I will not be on email until mid-November. My wonderful assistant, Ingrid, is managing my inbox for me. And I felt so good setting that up because it was just this realization that that is actually all that is humanly possible for me to do of the to the best of my ability. There's actually no extra new work that can come on top of that until mid-November. Fact. Exactly, and that's yeah. brilliant, and and it's good, and and like you know, it's probably taken you years of overcommitting to kind of go okay to be able to now go. I look at my schedule, and I go right. I actually legitimately know that I can't fit any more in there. And I kind of, I'm kind of caught because the thing is, what I find is sometimes we do have to learn the hard way. We have to overcommit ourselves horribly to understand that when we are in a position, when we're in the position of saying, no, we can't to someone, like we know deep in our bones that we literally can't. Like we're not saying no on a whim or on a, you know, maybe like it's, I, I'm saying no, because I really legitimately don't have room for this in my life right now. Probably my favorite, favorite tip with regard to dealing with overwhelm effectively is removing the knee jerk. Yes. In the moment from our repertoire. Cause that's something that I used to be quite bad at, especially if it was someone who I really admired or would love to work with where they were asking me face-to-face or via email, like, Can you, you know, let's do this thing together. I would just be like, yeah, no, of course. Mm. I don't even need to do the details. I'm just saying yes, and then we can talk <laughs> about it, you know, next time. And then that's I just kept landing myself in these terrible, you know, situations. So the thing that I learned to say, because the other thing, like all we ever hear is, you just have to learn to say no, you know, and this is kind of like a husband thing. Like, you know, certainly my husband, who's very black and white and it seems so obvious to him, he's like, Kelly, just say no. And I think that asking people like us to say a flat out no to someone's face (laughs) is asking too much of us. Like, let's be realistic about what we're able to do. So what I have developed is these six beautiful words called, let me get back to you. Oh, great. Delay it so you can really make sure you have a think. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. It is just a delay. So you're not saying no and you're not saying yes. You're just saying, look, you know, and I've got friends who go, let me go check my diary or my diary's at home. Let me come back to you. But whatever you say, don't feel you have to say yes or no right there and then. Just say, look, that sounds amazing. Let me just go and check my schedule And I'll come back to you about whether I can commit to that thing or not. And what that does is it just gives you breathing space from, you know, that, that moment, because when you're in the moment, especially if you're flattered or you're, you know, you're overwhelmed with joy, like, you know, Seth Godin's just rung you up and said, Kelly, let's do this. And you're like, yes, yes, let's do this. (laughs) 
Okay. I don't know what you're asking. For the record, if Seth Godin asked me to do anything, <laughs> I would say yes. That was a bad example. Probably a really bad example. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good point. Yeah, we have to, yeah, if if there's just one thing we can all do that's just going to make our lives immeasurably, immeasurably easier, it's just removing that knee-jerk yes from, yeah, from the situation. And I just think that once we go away and kind of consider – oh, you know, if I do this thing and I add it to the six other things that I've got to do before the end of November, I'm going to put myself under a lot of pressure. And sometimes you go, you know what? I know it's going to put myself under a lot of pressure, but it's going to be worth it. But I would say nine times out of 10, you will actually go, it's probably not. And yeah, I just think though, if you take just that one little thing away from this podcast, Mm. that's going to serve you well for like, forever and that's the one thing that's really made a massive difference to me is I used to be a big one for feeling I had to commit in the moment and if I was committing in the moment 99.9% of the time it was a yes and now I reckon I'm a I don't ever commit in the moment anymore and I'm yeah definitely down below 50% I reckon. Wow and you know just as you've been saying that I am such a big picture kind of thinker and I thought (laughs) yes in the moment is actually a unfortunately, kind of a direct correlation with your ability to connect with your own self-worth. So if you think about a job offer and you get this job offer, you know, I know so many friends over the years, myself included, before I really learnt to negotiate or, as you just said, let me get back to you. I'll have a think and I'll respond tomorrow. Who have accepted salaries way below their worth Mm. or a consulting gig way below what they should be getting per hour or... You know, it's, it's almost like you devalue yourself by being an immediate yes person in many areas of life. So it feels like this is a bit of a aha across quite a few areas where let me get back to you is basically you saying I am worth the time that I want to take to know whether this is right for me or not yeah. or whether I can commit or not or um, you know, if this sits right with me or not, because, you know, I've said yes to things sometimes and gone, oh, goodness, I didn't even ask if that water filter had fluoride filtration. And I really believe in that. So, and then I've just said yes to working on something. So, you know, I had to backpedal and then that can mm. make us, that can make both us feel silly and then feel like you can't be trusted on your words. So well, delay. So. Yeah, because then you look a bit flaky and we don't, yeah. you know, don't want to want to look flaky if we can help it. But I really like what you um, said there about value, you know, about valuing yourself because I think another thing that we don't value very well is our time. So we quite happily give away our time to things for free because it's something we're passionate about or we love doing and we don't which means the thing that we that most loses out is the time for ourselves. So then, you know, we give away that time for free to others. Then we look after our partners and our kids. And then at the very, very bottom of that chain is that time for ourselves to just be. And that's the stuff we end up missing out on. And that's, you know, I just feel when we don't have time to be, 
we don't have the ability to be our best selves and the world loses out when we're not, you know, this is my idealism coming through now. Um, <laughs> and you know, I can, I can be idealistic when I'm talking with you. Oh yes, you can. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, when we don't have the ability to be our best selves, it's not just us. We're not missing out is the world. The world's missing out on the best of us. And I think that that's a huge shame. I hugely agree. And we're also missing out on, really connecting with ourselves on a regular basis. And when you connect with yourself, you connect with your truth. And when you connect with your truth, you connect with a sense of purpose. And then when you're connected with a sense of purpose, then you know much more clearly what you will and won't be saying yes to already. So it actually makes it easier to prioritize if we're making that regular commitment to me time and white space. It's, you know, and what's really interesting, I've been researching Huga recently, uh, the, mm-hmm. oh God, I'm just having a mental blank, Danish uh, idea of self-care and taking time out. And this is, they go to elaborate lengths of lighting candles and really thinking about the music they're going to put on and setting up like little Huga spaces in their houses to really like embrace and indulge in, you know, even just half an hour of uh, completely unadulterated me time. And, oh, yeah. and yet the, us and the British and Americans, we, talk, we say doing nothing is um, bludging or being lazy or slobbing around or all these negative kind of connotations around me time. And I really think that we should be taking a leaf out of the Nordic countries' books on this one because it, it, it just sounds so delicious. <laughs> oh, it's so, it is so and lovely. It's so and good. it's so good. It's such a terrible mindset that we have that, yeah, that that time to just, like I kind of call it checking in with myself and mm. like it's funny, I, um, I've set up my days now so that there's three days that I work from home. So I do the walk to school with my son and you know, it's like a three-minute walk to school. It's just amazing. And then I come home. And then I, I just sit there and I have my cup of tea or my cup of coffee and I just give myself 15 minutes and it takes like every bone in my body is going, what are you doing? <laughs> this <laughs> is so ridiculous. Is is Ant at the office getting to have a cup of coffee? Well, then no, well, then you shouldn't be. And it just takes it, – it's taking me like this constant self-talk to go – because in my head I'm like, if someone saw you doing this right now, would they'd be like, well, it's all very good for her, isn't it? You know, <laughs> and it's, it's terrible that we have gotten into this state of mind that, yeah, if someone's taking time out to like watch Oprah for an hour or whatever, like, yeah, that they're bludging instead mm. of like, they're just taking time and we should be celebrating that. And I agree with you. The Nordic countries do have a lot, right. And yeah, it would be great if we can start making this more of our own culture rather than, yeah, you know, you're a bludger if you're sitting around reading a book for half an hour. Like, mm. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, it's so true. So if we label it as something positive, so can we call it white space? Is that what we should call this thing? Let's call it white space because, you know what, let's not call it self-care because, no like one wants to do that. We're not there no yet. One, no one's no good one. at that yet. That's scary. That's like bottom of the pile stuff. That's so, it. Like, we, yeah. so I yeah. call it white space. Some people call it buffer. Some people call it margin where it's just like these little buffer points in your day 
that just allow you to breathe. And you were talking before how, you know, you'll run around your apartment on the weekend, like, because <laughs> that just picks up, in you know, 20 seconds here and 20 seconds there. Okay, so that, what that I, is definitely an activity of the past. I uh, that, oh, good. <laughs> I haven't done that this year. Oh, good. Um, but what um, I've, I think, like the biggest thing that I've managed to do in the past kind of couple of years is I've, in building in this margin into my days, like what I do now is I, I have parts of my day where I just get to move slowly and that in itself. So I might be, you know, washing dishes or making lunch or, you know, making Jason's lunch for school, tidying the kitchen, whatever, but I'm able to do it really slowly and just meander my way through those tasks. And it's really lovely because that's like almost a little downtime. And I know it sounds stupid to go that housework is downtime, but it's not really because if you compare it to the housework where you're throwing a load of washing on and then you're running into the bathroom to give it a you know scrub, then you're making up your bed and then you and like you know you've got 20 tasks to do and you've got an hour and a half to do it compared to just being able to meander your way through like these few tasks in the morning, like. That's quite a delight to me because I used to be the rushed one. I used Mm. to be the, yeah, I've got all these things I've got to get done. I'm rushing out of the house to get to the office. These things have to be done before I leave, blah, blah, blah. Otherwise, I'm going to have to do them when I get home. And, yeah, so Mm. I can't even, yeah. The less committed and overscheduled you are, the more time you have during the day to be able to move a bit slower. And I can just assure you that even just being able to move more slowly during the day, even if you still have a lot on, is a delight. <laughs> Absolutely. I love this. This is so important to talk about, especially end of October as everything's just about to get mega hectic yeah. uh, for all of us. Something I really love that Dr. Libby says, Libby Weaver, who's a um, biochemist, PhD, amazing chick at helping us live our best selves. Uh, she always says that even when we are busy, we can actually choose whether to view that as bad stress versus um, mm. versus a good thing. You know, if you've filled yeah. your day with great things, as long as you've got a bit of buffer for you as well, of course, very important, but it can actually feel like a positive experience. So, you know, I think that's quite a, a lovely backlash to busy being evil. And I, I hate yeah. this idea that everything's black and white and you can label something as evil when actually – I mean, what a privilege to have two speaking engagements and an e-course with lots of people. And, you know, I feel very yeah. privileged to have that kind of busyness in my life in the work that I do. And so it really is all about your frame of mind as you approach those busy times. And as we've just explored, I reckon, making sure we've got that white space to arm us with with being able to do certain parts of the day slowly. I love that. I think that's really nice. Even if it's a simple unpacking of a dishwasher, mm. chuck some tunes on while you do it. Oh, and chuck a podcast kind of... in, you know. Oh, well, yes, <laughs> like mine <laughs> or yours. You've got two. Mm. But, you know, I so agree with you that like, I, I don't like that mentality that busy is bad and that, you know, people clucking at you because you're so busy. Um, I like being busy. And I just, what it is, is when I'm busy, but everything's under control, that's when everything's great. It's only when I get, yeah, I, I guess um, I spoke about this for an article for someone that 
we have to learn to distinguish between busy and overwhelmed. They're two mm. vastly different things. You can be very busy and be very happy. It's when we tip into overwhelm, that's when things get a little bit a little bit dicey. So, yeah, just yeah. wanted to say that on that term. Yeah, nice. Now, so with the fact that we've got the celebratory season for all sorts of different things depending on who you are and where you live in the world coming up, you wrote a post a while back and and you sort of explore the various areas that we can work to protect <laughs> over the busy <laughs> time. How can we protect our minds D- November December? What what can we be doing to feel, you know, that we're that our minds are going to be able to cope with everything that's going on? I think the really simplest thing we can do at this time of year, so everything's going to get manic. We know it's going to get manic. Yes. We we know (laughs) people are going to irritate us. So we're going to be at the shopping centre and someone is going to slip in and steal our parking spot or, you know, they're going to push in front of us at the line. We're going to have lunch with our racist uncle. Um, (laughs) Oh, goodness. You know, like (laughs) these things are going to happen and this is where – we, you just got to invoke the whole your response is your responsibility. Yeah. And my response at this time of year is I just choose to not engage with those kinds of things. So I'm this is actually quite hard for me because I'm kind of that person that I get really um I don't like unfairness. So I get really fired up and I go, oh, I just, you know, that's not good enough or this behaviour is not appropriate and blah, 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 blah. And that's my natural reaction. But at this time of year... I just have to tell myself, you do not engage with, you can't engage with all of these things. So just kind of don't engage with any of them. And I just find that, that it, it, I'm one of the, um, I don't know if you are familiar with this, the Gretchen Rubin kind of thing where she, you're in either an abstainer or a um, moderator. Oh no! Tell us what it, tell us what the two are. So um, for moderators, they're people, and you know, it might be things like you know eating chocolate or social media, where you can moderate your behaviour. Like you're someone who can have one row of chocolate and then put the bar, you know, the big block of chocolate back in the fridge and go back to it tomorrow. That's a moderator. Mm-hmm. An abstainer is someone who it's easier for them to simply not have any chocolate at all than to okay. try and yes. have one roll of chocolate. Yeah. That's me. I, like if I have one roll of chocolate, I eat the whole block. I just, for whatever reason, that's just how I am. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's how I kind of take the abstainer mindset with regards to keeping, you know, protecting my mind at this time of year. So I just go, I'm not going to engage with all these petty irritations that are going to crop up. I know they're going to crop up and I'm just going to choose to blanket not engage because if you try if you try and pick and choose at this time of year you're going to come unstuck just don't engage with any of it and you honestly it'll be a weight off your shoulders so true and you skirted past this small little comment but I think it was super gold which is your response is your responsibility I mean how good is that you know just think about that a couple of times out there because I really think you know this is something I've I've um, come from a, a many, many years of hospitality training uh, mm. off the back of my <laughs> bartending career. And so I would train big, big teams of very successful venues to be more cohesive and to also, you know, give great guest experience uh, at, at the centre of a business because if your guest isn't having a great experience, then there is no business. And uh, something that every person in hospitality deals with is 
someone who is horrible. Every now and Mm -hmm. then someone is just not going to be nice. They're going to click their fingers and ask to be served before (laughs) other people or they're going to be rude and contest something that isn't contestable and you did everything right, whatever it is. And I always say... Don't let one idiot ruin your entire night. You know, it's really your choice how you respond to that situation and certainly do not bring it into your next part of your day or service or whatever it is that you're doing. And I think at the end of the year that could not be a more important thing to, to focus on. Just think, okay, that person pushed in. You know, sucks to be them and do something like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm so not engaging. <laughs> I'm going to turn the radio up and sing along because this is one of my favourite songs and just keep that energy on a spiral up instead of the race to the bottom, which can be so, so easy to do in in that November, December period when, you know, there's just so much going on. Yeah, oh, couldn't agree more. Mm. Now you also talk about your body. So like the first thing I think of when <laughs> when when I think of the festive season is I definitely am invited to more situations where there's more alcohol and I'm not a big drinker. I'm definitely a, a one glass wonder. Uh, you know, I just I really like to have one glass of something incredible instead of five glasses of something cheap that if I really were to ask myself whether I enjoyed it or not, the answer would be no. So I don't see the point in drinking things that you don't like the taste of. <laughs> yep. And it took me doing a detox to really hone in on that truth for myself. Not that I was a huge drinker before, but just that, you know, when you've got a newborn and you are chasing for that 7pm line so that you can have, and, you know, we, we were living off one income at that time in my life, I think, what was it, seven and a bit years ago now. And so we didn't have the cash to buy the wines that we normally would have liked at $30, $40 a bottle. You know, I'm a big believer in just buying one bottle a fortnight and really just loving it instead of cheap and cheerfuls. But we became cheap and cheerful people because <laughs> By necessity. We, just, we needed that 7 p.m. wine. And so I did a three-month three detox and it really just reminded me of that fact. And I I think for the silly season, you know, it is so easy to just say yes when the waiter's passing around a tray of red, white, sparkling and beer. And I see, you know, men do this and I've questioned my husband and his friends, you know, and just out of curiosity and said, oh, do you even like that beer? Actually, no, I wouldn't normally choose it. And you just think, wow, we're just literally saying yes because it's there, because it's there. we're here. And and so what do, what do you reckon? What What should we be doing? I think it's difficult because, as you say, like we're in a lot of situations where like we're we're having food put in front of us that we don't normally eat. We're having lots of alcohol on offer and it's very difficult to kind of moderate our behaviour in this regard. So I choose to I kind of focus on slightly different things Mm -hmm. when it comes to my body at this time of year because it's, you know, instead of agonising, oh, should I have the dessert tonight? I had dessert last night at dinner or, you know. You know, and yeah. just tying yourself up and, and having these negative kind of conversations with yourself. I kind of try to focus on three things and they are like I drink heaps of water. So I kind yes. of really focus on drinking a lot of water at this time of year. And so you mentioned the alcoholic drinks. So, okay, you can have alcoholic drink by all means, but try and space each alcoholic drink with a glass of water. Mm. Because it just makes such a difference to how you feel the next day. Like, you know, I don't think it makes a huge big difference to how you're feeling on the night because 
you're still happy because you're still having the alcohol. But the next day, especially if you've got kids, you just feel a million times better. You know, so you've still had your fun, but the next morning you wake up in a much better condition. And I also, yeah, my favorite drink. So if you're looking for a fizzy drink that doesn't have the big sugar hit, because that's the other thing. You might not be drinking alcoholic drinks, but you're drinking, you know, like lemon, lime and bitters, for example. Mm. Like that sugar for me, I've found in the past is as, bad as alcohol as yeah in terms of how you feel day. absolutely yeah, yeah i really find especially as like you know even like a lemon lime and bitters the lime thing has a sulfide in it doesn't it most so of them do yeah yeah so i would kind of wake up feeling a bit hungover going what on earth is that i didn't even drink mm. and then i find and then i you know found out years later that that had sulfites in it which i'm quite sensitive to so yeah, you know, have a soda lime and bitters rather, yeah, and a, a, like lime as in a squeeze of a lime. Yes. Um, as opposed to the flavoring type things. And that's still a nice fizzy drink. You still feel part of everything, but it's a much lighter. It's no sugar hit. There's no alcohol. It is very nice. Um, that's kind of if you don't want to drink water in between drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I do is I just choose to eat from a smaller plate. So, if, yeah. you know, you add, you know, those big buffets and it's got those massive buffet plates. Like uh, there's always kind of like a, like a smaller side plate that mm-hmm. you can choose. And, yeah, you might look like a loser, but who cares? It's amazing. We just, if we have a big plate, we'll fill the big plate and we'll eat everything on the big plate even once we're full we don't stop eating once we're full because it's there and it's yummy so I just serve myself on smaller plates no matter where I go and I just feel that just helps with the staying on top of just how much food you're eating at this at this time of year and the other thing is just move your body for 20 minutes every day so you know it doesn't have to even be in one hit so you can park at the furthest corner of the shopping center and get like you know 10 minutes extra walking there you know, go for a body surf at the beach um, instead of you know, like it, a kind of a favorite thing I like to do is like to so say once I finish one job and it's time to move on to the next job, like I tend to go on Facebook. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's a little bit of a, a little <laughs> bit of a space there, you know, I just need a little yeah. mind break before I move on to the next job. And what I actually do, especially at this time of year, is I go, no, I walk out the front door and I walk around the block which takes, you know, the same amount of time as me going on Facebook for five to 10 minutes. And then I sit back down and I just find that moving my body a lot more, it just helps buffer all these things that we're throwing at it. And it helps my mind as well, that, that whole moving thing. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, a, I mean, walking is a great adrenal reset as well, mm. because it just gets you breathing more steadily. Whereas if you hit the screens, um, you tend to hold your breath more and find that you need more of a deep breath, like intermittently because you're not breathing normally. So yeah, yeah going for a walk around the blocks, a, a great one, or even just parking a couple of blocks away from where you're getting to or take, getting off a bus stop or a train stop earlier is such a great little piece of advice for for arriving and and still feeling like you got to move yeah and I guess like this you know this time of year when everyone's circling the car park still trying to get to the front door if you just drive in and park in literally the furthest corner of the car park when nobody is fighting you for a spot talk about you know a reduce on your adrenal load like Mm. you're not having that you know fight or flight thing of can't believe is that person going to take that spot I was here first like you know you just don't have that either and yeah there's so many benefits to it so yeah that's 
definitely my huge recommendation with that. Yeah, I love it. And when you talked about eating from smaller plates, one of my favourite things to do is if I've been invited out to a restaurant or, you know, we're having a special occasion as a family and then you have the special occasion with the other people and the other people Mm. and the other people because it's (laughs) December – is to eat half a dozen oysters and order an entree for the second course. Yeah. And I swear I feel full. I feel fantastic. I don't feel deprived at all. But I've had a massive hint, hit of zinc, which is awesome for your immune system, from the oysters. And then something really super yummy in the um, in the next dish. And then most people order sides. So you still get to have a salad and, um, you know, some veggies or whatever as well at a big share table situation. So, you know, it, like having to order a main is actually not necessary when you think about how much food would be collected if you had a couple of tong loads from the sides on the table and yes. some oysters and an entree. That would actually be a normal meal, but you're still out and still celebrating and still with everybody and, and having a great time. Excellent. Yes, 100% mm. agree. Cool. So I'd love to finish our how how we're going to arm ourselves with, with good tips for this silly season with talking about how you can do good for the world because this sort of made me a bit curious when you when I was reading your post because I think one of the best ways you can combat feeling overwhelmed in the silly season, which often has to do with buying billions of gifts or, you know, crazy perfect wrapping paper or ribbons and all the sorts of things that we um, we bother ourselves with doing, you know, which of course is coming from the goodness of our hearts. But at the end of the day, if we just think, okay, is it really important that I get that ridiculously expensive wrapping paper that's mega pretty or could I just buy some butcher's paper and... <laughs> Or use, uh, you know, newspaper or just recycle something from your gift cupboard to wrap in or use a nondescript kind of brown shopping bag and just tie a ribbon on it. And could I do something good for the world instead? Because that means I don't have to go to the shops and buy the paper in the first place. And all, you know, you save your time and you save buying more stuff. And then, you know, quite often you'll probably have 50 bucks that you've saved there. What an awesome thing to give to the world instead of being so focused on your stuff in your tiny corner of the world. You know, it's just my favorite time of the year to think actually much bigger picture. Uh, Actually, I think big picture all the time. That's a lot. But (laughs) to think bigger picture beyond ourselves, it's almost like a really great antidote to letting our stuff feel super massive because it's actually not super massive we're just it's a lovely time of the year to spend more time with our family and friends and that shouldn't be stressful and I find thinking of others or doing charitable stuff at that time of the year helps keep me in check with that yeah I mean I I think you nailed it right there when you said um just looking outside ourselves because it's very easy at this time of year to get very like we're we're all head down and rush 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 and and we're all lost in thoughts because we're doing the logistics of being here and being there and buying this and buying that. And so I guess like my kind of one tip for just making the world a nicer place at this time of year is if you catch yourself in that rushing head down mode and if you're anything like me, if you're lost in thought, you have resty what is it resting bitch face or bitchy resting, resting face yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I just look really surly and angry 
when I'm, it's just that I'm just thinking, I'm just lost in thought. But anybody looking at me would just be like, oh, stay away from her. She's, you know, <laughs> she's so angry. Um, and so what I do, and I've actually, like, I've, I've had to do this at home recently as well. Um, in the afternoons, I've been quite tired recently. And what I do is I just lift my head and whoever is there, I catch their eye and I just smile at them. And so this is when I'm out and about, I really make the effort to, yeah, just look at people in the eye because it's the other thing. We don't, we're not looking at each other in the eye, are we? We, no. we're, just, we're really avoiding eyes. We don't want to make eye contact. We don't engage in small talk. But the amount of times that I have caught someone's eye, smiled at them, and then they have smiled back to me and their whole face has changed. Their shoulders have dropped. Their face is lit up. It's just the best feeling ever. And actually, you don't even have to do it outside your home. Like I did it too. Like my um, three-year-old is driving me crazy at the moment. <laughs> yeah. Because she's full on. She's full on and she's kind of at that whiny, clingy stage at the moment. So she is driving me insane. And so the poor thing. So clearly all she is seeing from me is scowling at the moment. <laughs> because the other day I looked at her and I caught her eye and she kind of just looked at me and I just gave her a smile and her little face just lit up into this beatific kind of thing. And I kind of, my my heart, my heart broke a little bit because I was like, oh my God, she's probably, all she's seeing at the moment is a scowling, angry mummy who's just yelling at her all the time because, you know, she is, She's you know, being a terror. It's okay. It just, happens. She's, she's just being a toddler at the moment. But, yeah, so when I kind of saw her reaction to my smile, I kind of really made the mental note that even inside my own house, I'm going to just make the effort to look my loved ones in the eye and just give them a smile more often than I am right now. <laughs> I love that. And, you know, you might like – you hear it and you think, oh, God, but that's like a given, isn't it? Aren't we always smiling at our family? Yeah, but I don't, think, <laughs> I don't think we are. And I certainly not, think they're this... the ones we take for granted, yeah. really. We take for granted that they're just going to put up with our behaviour. It doesn't matter how good or bad it is. So yeah. I think they're the ones that probably cop it more than anything else. Totally. And I think, you know, when, you're, when you've got a business and you've got so much going on and trying to manage the kids and make sure they've got, you know, more, Probably one of the the last people on our list could be our partners, yeah. And um, and I've definitely made a conscious decision to to just simply say, oh, I love that outfit, or you know, thanks so much, or to just do something, little things, uh, to acknowledge the other person. Because if we're if our home base is is good and loving and happy, then you know that's a form of me time because. We spend so much time with the people who are around us in our intimate spaces. So it's, yeah, so And it's the ripple effect as well. So, you know, if we are kind and happy and loving to the people immediately around us, then they too uh, take that out into the world. And I just, yeah, I think the ripple effects of that are massive. So the people that we smile at, so we smile at the checkout chick who is just, you know, is just having things thrown at her and just stop and look her in the eye and smile. And then it means that the next person that she's seeing 
is more likely to get a smile from her. And, you know, it, these things travel. They really do. And, you know, pos- bad things travel, but so too do really positive, good things. So. Absolutely. And I might just um, mention there that I've been working on a, a project that was beheaded by a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Culligan, which is the Good Human Project. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And it's just a free 14-day challenge that we've put together. I'm so totally inspired to now put that in the show notes for anyone who wants to jump on board and run through through the 14 days, what better time of the year to do good human things than in the silly season where it can be so much about being in our own stuff that we forget uh, the beautiful contribution we can make to the world and how much kinder we can be to ourselves as we were talking about right at the start there and how we can just connect with the people that we bump into throughout the day. One of the challenges is to to speak to someone from a different background to you, you know, like literally yeah. s- seek someone out, whether it's the, the person at the checkout or the person manning the counter at the pharmacy, whatever, you know, if they're from a different background, like the taxi driver, you know, that's one of my favourite things to do to say, oh, what's your accent? Where are you from? And then to talk about our different experiences growing up because I'm from a different culture to Australia originally as well. And, you know, you mm. can really – there's just so many good things that can come from from focusing on being a good human, So, which ties totally into what we can do for the world in what would feel like the period of the year where you absolutely don't have anything left to do anything for yes. anyone exactly. outside of your immediate sphere. So very cool. Okay, well – I have to wrap things up, but I just absolutely love that chat. And is there any final wisdom you want to give to anybody embarking upon the silly season? I'm sure you've got something gorgeous to do this week. <laughs> no, fresh. no, I think that's it. Yeah, I, just, I think just keep things really simple. Be kind to yourself and be kind to the people that you come into contact with. So just choose kindness over everything else this time of year. You just really, really can't go wrong. Ah, beautiful words to end on. Thanks so (laughs) much for coming on the show, Kel. I'll see you real soon. Thanks, Alex. Thank you so much for joining me for today's show. Check out the show notes at lowtoxlife.com forward slash podcast. And if you wanted to maybe share a quote and something that really jumped out for you, you can find us on Instagram at lowtoxlife or simply hashtag lowtoxlife across social media. I absolutely love bringing you the show. Thank you for any of the star ratings or one-line reviews that you guys have left. It helps me know what you've been loving and what you'd love to see more of. I'll see you next week.